0: Welcome back, dudettes and dudes. I should say dudettes and dudes because, really, my audience is predominantly female, so I always do dudes and dudettes. Maybe I need to change that around. I'll I'll have to think about that. Anyway, welcome back to The Anxious Truth. This is episode 111, 111. I don't know if that's any sort of special significance. For those of you that like to post pictures on Instagram of your clock or your watch when it says 1111, there you go. Episode 111. Maybe this is a lucky one for you. Today, we're going to talk about... The idea that there is only really one fear, one. And I know this is going to sound crazy to a lot of you, but uh, it's a topic that came up in discussion with my friend Layla at Lettered Cottage, um, at Lettered Cottage on Instagram, Layla's awesome. And uh, it came up that there is only one fear. And it appeared to be very impactful for my friend Layla, and it changed a lot of things to hear me say that. So I I said, okay, well, there you go, here's a topic. Before we get into it, uh, just a little bit of shameless self-promotion, and that would be for my new book. It's called The Anxious Truth. Just like the podcast, you can find it at theanxioustruth.com slash recovery guide. Essentially, 400 pages or so printed, there's a Kindle version, there's a print version, and it's everything you've ever heard me say on a podcast episode or on social media in some way, except in much greater detail and organized in a logical sequence, uh, like taking a course or a class in recovering from an anxiety disorder it was, that book started being written back in 1986. I just didn't know it, my very first panic attack. So this is 30-something years of my life experiences, 10 years of, you know, writing online, blogging, helping others, five years of a podcast, and a year of actual writing and editing. I'm immensely proud of the book, and the feedback that I'm getting from the people that are reading it is really amazing. It's it's incredibly inspiring and encouraging to me to know that I think I wrote something that is truly helpful. So, uh, take a second, go to the anxioustruth.com slash recovery guide. Uh, if you're looking for a class and how to recover from your anxiety disorder, that would be a good place to start. Okay, that's enough of that. You, you guys know that I, I suck at that. That is extremely uncomfortable for me to do. So I'm glad it's over. All right, let's get into the episode. Uh, episode 111. One fear. There's only one fear. Let's talk about this you may as you go down the road and you develop something like panic disorder or agoraphobia if you look at your history with this disorder you can see a clear sequence of events it usually starts with the first panic attack or the first occurrence of high anxiety waves spikes repeated episodes and it leads to associating those episodes or panic high anxiety with more and more parts of your life uh you become afraid to do things like drive or Uh, go back to work or go to school or be home alone or go to restaurants, wherever you experience these uncomfortable sensations and thoughts, uh, you begin to be afraid of those things. And most people who are suffering with this disorder, these disorders who are listening to the podcast, can relate to what that's all about. And so over time, especially if you've been dealing with this for a very long time, months or even years, like many of you have, and that's okay. Even if you've been dealing with this for many years, you can get better. It's okay. Um, If you have been dealing with this for any extended period of time, You may find that you sit one day and think this is insane like i am afraid of everything i'm just afraid of everything if you sat down and wrote out the list of things that you are afraid of if you have been suffering with these these problems for for any extended period of time that list would get really long Um, i know my list would have included a very a very large number of things including temperature changes lighting changes loud noises uh, any sort of change in state in my body, any sort of twinge, twitch, tickle, pain, whatever in my body was a you know a panic or anxiety trigger. Driving away from the house alone at all, driving on the highway, going any long distance from home, being home alone, having to answer the phone and deal with a stressful situation in my business. Like I would have had a very long list of things, um, being out, you know, trapped at like a restaurant or, you know, a, a function where I couldn't just leave. My list would be very long, and my guess is that if you've been dealing with this for any extended period of time, you would find that your list is very long. Time, uh, uh, very long, also, and you probably have the feeling like you've become afraid of pretty much everything in the world, which can be incredibly disheartening. And, and we'll get to that um, because in my conversations with my friend Layla, it was interesting to hear her talk about how that long list of her fears really snowballed into some other issues, and we're gonna we're gonna address that because I, I'm guessing that it's true for a lot of people. Here's the deal, that long list of fears that you have. And look, even if you're kind of new to this and you're, you're just starting to kind of go down that rabbit hole of an anxiety disorder, panic disorder, agoraphobia, monophobia, that sort of thing, You know the things I talk about all the time. If you're just going down that road and you've only been dealing with it for a few months possibly, you will find that maybe you don't have the longest list but you are noticing that the list is getting longer. So it's longer than it was when you started. Um, but here's the deal, in the end, there is really only one fear. So that long list of things that you think you are afraid of is actually incorrect. There is only one fear. And when, you, when you're when you able to solve the one fear, you pretty much solve the whole problem. And i I think if you've been listening to me long enough, you are going to understand exactly what I'm going to say and what I'm going to tell you this one fear is. But so many people get caught up and trying to attack, well, now I have to learn how to drive. Now I have to learn to be home alone. Now I have to learn to go to the supermarket. Now I have to learn to go to restaurants. Now I have to learn to go back to work. Now I have to learn to move to another city six hours away. Like so many people get overwhelmed by the idea that they have this very long list of things that they have to overcome. These are just giant challenges, list, huge list of challenges that life is going to present. If I can get back, I, before I can get back to a normal life, I have to learn to be able to get in the shower without having a panic attack. I have to learn how to be able to answer the phone or make a phone call without having a panic attack. I have to learn to do this. I have to learn to do that. And it could be incredibly discouraging, but in the end, there's really only one fear under all of those things. So when we boil it down, suddenly the path to recovery will get a lot clearer and easier when you see it this way. So the deal is that the one fear that is underneath that entire long list of things that you are afraid to do or that you feel you will have to, the challenges you will have to meet in order to get your life back, the the one fear underneath that is the fear of how you feel and what you think. So you are really only afraid of one thing in the end. You are afraid of how you feel and what you think. You are afraid of the sensations and symptoms of panic and anxiety You are afraid of the scary thoughts, the what if thoughts, the catastrophic thoughts, the distorted, fear-driven, irrational thoughts that come with panic and anxiety. You have learned to be afraid of those things. And really the hallmark of an anxiety disorder, where anxiety stops being just anxiety like most everybody has and becomes an anxiety disorder, is when you stop being afraid of specific things in life and you start being afraid of the anxiety itself. So the hallmark of your disorder is that the f- you are afraid of being afraid. You are, the fear is driven by its own, its own self. You are afraid of the fear. You, the anxiety is driven by the anxiety. The panic attacks are driven by the panic attacks. And what winds up happening over time is that you just take that one fear, the one fear, I'm afraid of how I feel and what I think when I'm anxious, and you start to glue it to a lot of different, you know, uh, situations, contexts, places, people, tasks, you start to glue it to different things in your life. So wherever your first panic attack was or wherever you felt first uncomfortable because of anxiety, a high anxiety wave, well, that was the first thing you glued it to. And then you started, you know, so for me, um, you know, the first time I had a panic attack while in the car, I instantaneously glued my one fear to driving. And I happened to be on the freeway or the Long Island Expressway at the time. So I glued that one fear to driving on the Long Island Expressway, which then extrapolated to, if you live on Long Island, you know, you know the roads I'm talking about, but which then got extrapolated to, I can't get on the Northern State Parkway. I can't get on the Southern State Parkway. I can't get on Sunrise Highway. I can't, can't get on the Sunken Meadow Parkway. Like all these are all of the, the highways that are local to where I live. But what I did is I took that one fear, my one fear of, of a panic attack, of feeling anxiety, of, of the sensations, of the thoughts, that come with that i took that one fear and i glued it to the highway so therefore i would have told you yeah i'm really afraid to drive on the highway uh then i started to glue that one fear into a bunch of different things that i glued that one fear into a lot of different situations being at work driving to work driving home being home alone in the office being alone at home uh, again i can list a very long 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 list of of places and situations and contexts that i was afraid of or i would have told you that i was afraid of but in the end i was only afraid of one thing and you are too. So what winds up happening is as you go down the road and you are dealing and trying to manage your anxiety, trying to endure it, trying to work around it, trying to engineer around it, you just keep gluing that one fear to more and more situations in your life, eating at restaurants, going to gatherings, being in public, being in crowds, being alone, being in the car, uh, being outside, the sun being hidden by a cloud, a breeze that comes out of nowhere and you feel it changes in your body, the things you eat, you glue that one fear to more and more things over time. And that is the natural progression that leads from something like panic disorder to to something like agoraphobia, because as you glue the one fear to more and more places and context and people and situations, you begin to go into avoidance mode. You start to not want to be in those contexts, in those situations. You don't want to talk to those people, So we can glue the one fear to a lot of different things. We can glue them to physical sensations. We could glue it to physical places and locations. We can glue it to time of day. There are people that glue the one fear to the morning or they glue the one fear to the evening. They glue the one fear to people. They glue the one fear to tasks that are independent of where they happen to be. Some people glue their one fear to being on the telephone. Uh, or talking to specific people like doctors, or going to specific places like a doctor's office. So it's possible to glue that fear, to, to associate that one fear with just about any context, person, task, or situation you can imagine in life. It's possible to do that, and, and we do. We do. And that's what leads us to, at some point, throw our hands up and say, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of just everything in the world. And, and you're not. In the end, you're not afraid of everything in the world. You're afraid of the one fear. You are afraid of how you feel and what you think when you experience high anxiety and panic. That's all you are afraid of. Uh, and, and that's really good news in the end because it means that you don't have to solve 45 different problems. You don't have to meet you know 60 different challenges or 22 different challenges in order to get your life back. You have to meet one challenge. And you can learn to meet that challenge in all those different contexts. So those different situations, contexts, people that you have to deal with, Those are all opportunities to unlearn the one fear. So you're not learning how to go to the supermarket. You're never learning how to go to the supermarket. And you guys have heard me talk about this. We talk about exposure and we talk about what the purpose of exposure really is. I say all the time, you're never learning to drive. You're never learning to go to the supermarket. You're not learning to be home alone. You're learning how to relate in a new way to those sensations and thoughts that come along with anxiety and panic. You're learning to not be afraid of them. Always. So no matter what you're dealing with, it's never the task. That's why it's never a failure. Oh, I, I wanted to drive for 10 miles. I only drove for eight miles. I failed. No, that's not true. The driving was was beside the point, really. The driving was only a mechanism to bring you face-to-face with the one fear. So all of the exposures that I talk about, when we talk about exposure and how effective it is, it's never about the tasks, never. It's never about the specific things that people do. Those things that people do, the driving, the staying home alone, the walking around the block, whatever it happens to be. And I'm going to address, by the way, I'm going to address health anxiety and GAD in a second here, so I'm not forgetting you guys. But all of those things that people do, all the exposures, the stuff that I used to have to do, the driving, the staying home alone, the going to the office by myself in the middle of the night, those things, those were only tools to bring me face-to-face with the one fear. So my situation was no different than anyone else's. Although it may have felt unique to me from time to time, and your situation probably feels unique to you from time to time, the fact that there is only one fear underneath it all means that we are all essentially the same in this disorder. So maybe I had to drive, whereas you had to learn to eat new foods, but in the end, we are doing the same exact work. We are finding ways to come face-to-face with the one fear, and we're learning to not be afraid. So that's always the goal. So I, I want you to take heart in knowing that the, the one fear concept is actually gives you a much clearer path to recovery, to having a normal life, to getting your life back, to being who you used to be that you so desperately want to be. Right, One fear is a whole lot easier to conceptualize and tackle than, than what you think is 45 different things that you're afraid of in life. Right? Much, much easier, much easier when you see it that way. Like a lot of the complexity of recovery begins to melt away when you understand like, oh, goodness, like everything I'm doing here revolves around the one fear. Excellent. I can I can frame that. I can I can focus on that. I can do that. So you start to not care what activity you're engaging in. You start to focus more on like, oh, I'm attacking the one fear. That's what I'm doing. I'm learning a new relationship with anxiety and fear. I'm learning not to be afraid of my own body and mind. It doesn't matter how I'm doing it or where I'm doing it or when I'm doing it. That's what I'm doing. There's tremendous power in that. There's tremendous simplicity in that. There's a direction in that. There's less confusion in that. The one fear will literally shed so much of the, the, the burden that you have been carrying on your shoulders. Like it's heavy. Every time you glue that fear to another thing, your burden gets heavier and seems more insurmountable, so much more complex. But it isn't it's the same thing just repeated in multiple places you're just taking the same same it's like a sticky note let's say you know you think you have a collection of 150 different sticky notes but that's every as curiously when you look at the sticky notes they all have the same thing written on them they always have the same thing so you have 150 sticky notes and you keep putting them everywhere you stick them on everything in life and you think well this is getting incredibly chaotic how am i going to manage these 150 different yellow sticky notes but when you stop and look, every sticky note has the same thing written on it. They're the same note. You just keep repeating it over and over. So this is super important. Now, let's take a second and talk about wh- how this plays into things like general anxiety and health anxiety. Um, I- I'm going to st- try and start to address these things a little bit more in the podcast because I-, I know that you know a lot of you guys are listening and you have those problems, and you have to. I have to keep reminding everybody that. In the case of health anxiety, you always have to flip at 180 degrees. So same situation, you really only have the one fear. Let's talk about health anxiety for a second. There's still only one fear underneath that. And that fear is not so much, you are not so much afraid of how you feel. You are afraid of of death in the end. You are afraid of something that will injure you, damage you, or incapacitate you. There's still only one fear underneath that. And so the anxiety and the panic that pops up along that for people with health anxiety isn't necessarily the problem. I mean, it is. Nobody wants to panic. But really and truly, people that that suffer from true health anxiety understand that when they are panicking, they are panicking because they are afraid. They have gone down the rabbit hole of thinking like, oh, my shoulder hurts, so that might mean something. I might be in danger. So understand that all of those things, if you are dealing with health anxiety, you can make a long list of things that you are afraid of also. I'm afraid of cancer. I'm afraid of, you know, this disease. I'm afraid of malaria. I'm afraid of COVID-19. I'm afraid of AIDS. I'm afraid of leukemia. I'm afraid of, you can think of all the things. I'm afraid of getting a cold. I'm afraid of vomiting. I have emetophobia. Like in the end, you can deconstruct all of that fear into one thing. I'm afraid of some sort of physical harm coming to me. You know, in the case of emanophobia, it, it's a slightly modified. It's, that the, You're attaching, you know, the, the act of being sick to, sick to your stomach to either an actual real physical danger or just the unpleasantry enough, like just being – that being an unpleasant situation is your fear. There's only one fear. I, I don't want to feel that. Now, in the case of generalized anxiety, people who are just generally anxious all day long, like in the end, same situation – same situation, you are looking and saying, no matter what context I put myself in, I have these feelings that I don't like. I have this, this. I'm upset, I'm on edge, I'm anxious all day long. It's no matter where I go, I don't have a safe place. I don't have a place where I can escape from it. But in the end, what has wound up happening is that. It's the feeling itself. It is the thoughts themselves. And and people that suffer with generalized anxiety start to get really confused because they just feel like I don't even have to make a list. Just everything. What am I afraid of? Everything. I don't have a list. Like everything. I'm afraid of having my eyes open and be awake because when I'm awake, I feel this thing. But do you see what that is? Like I I feel this thing everywhere I go. I feel this thing. Yes. So your one fear is the thing, the thing. So, there's really no difference. In health anxiety, it's a slightly different situation because your one fear is a specific health outcome or physical harm or impairment outcome, and your job is to learn to sit quietly and be afraid of that and learn that, like, well, if I don't try and save myself by calling a doctor or Googling and, or telling everybody how I feel or asking for reassurance and checking and checking and checking, I'm still Okay. Whereas with somebody who's dealing with panic disorder or agoraphobia has to say, well, I, I need to go into situations, so I have to actively seek out things that will bring me face-to-face with my one fear. If you have health anxiety, you are not doing the things that, that try and save you from the one fear. So it's a little bit different, 180 degrees at a phase. And if you're dealing with generalized anxiety disorder, you're just facing your one fear all day long. You don't have to do anything specific to bring it up. You don't have to learn to do or not do anything. It's just there the minute you open your eyes. So the one fear is just there. And you've glued the one fear to just being conscious. And so your job also is to just learn that it has nothing. You don't have this multi-headed dragon to slay. You only have one. Um, you know, we could, we could talk for episode after episode about generalized anxiety disorder, but I just want you guys to understand if you're, if you're dealing with GAD and you're just generally anxious all day long, you know, maybe panic attacks aren't a problem. You just got that general anxiety that never leaves you. Same thing. It's one fear. You're not, you're not afraid of the whole world. You're afraid of one thing. You don't like feeling that way, and you want it gone right now. So the principles apply. There's modifications as we go through variations of the disorder, but the same principle of one fear applies. Now let's talk about, you know, what this means sometimes from an emotional or, or competence and confidence standpoint. You, you hear me talk about these words more and more and more. And I would tell you that as as I go further along, five years of doing this podcast and, and building a social media community around it with thousands of people that I get to communicate with all the time, and I have the privilege of doing that, Like I can see where the patterns start to come up. And the words competence and confidence, I think, are key. So in my discussion with my friend about this, uh, I was surprised to hear this person say that so much of the the guilt and shame that went along with the disorder, kind of got lifted away when when like the light bulb went on. She heard me say, "There's only one fear, and you glue it to everything." It was a it was a big thing. And she said this on her um her social. So I I, I don't believe I'm talking out of turn here. She put it on her Instagram story, and she has a huge number of followers. Go, Layla! So a lot of people saw her talk about this. But but the idea of all of that. Uh, I think a lot of people are carrying guilt. They're carrying shame. They're carrying humiliation. They're carrying embarrassment, not because of some trauma in their past, which it certainly could be a thing, but because of the disorder themselves. Like I'm incapable. I I have no confidence. I'm not competent. I suck at life now. I need people to take care of me. I'm ruining life for my family, my husband, my wife, my kids, my friends. I'm ruining my business or my career. I'm not a good. I'm not a good team or coworker. I'm not a good friend. And that leads to tremendous amounts of, of guilt and shame and, and all of those things, humiliation that people carry along with the disorder. But understanding that it's not that complicated, like, oh, wait a minute here. I haven't learned to suck at life. I only am afraid of one thing. I have one fear. Like, that's a whole lot easier to swallow. I have one fear, and I have just pinned it with little pushpins or glue. I've hot glued it to, like, 72 different contexts in my life. And that has made me felt overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I can't imagine I could solve all these problems. I keep getting worse and worse. I'm more and more broken. You are not more and more broken. You're just taking the butter of the, you know, you're taking the butter of the disorder and spreading it across more and more pieces of bread. So if your life is a loaf of bread and the disorder is butter, well, you started by buttering one slice and now you're up to about half the loaf. That's all it is. That's all it is. You just have to learn to, to put down the butter. Put down the butter. It's going to be okay. And we're going to scrape that butter off and get you back to like a clean loaf of bread. Probably bake a new loaf of bread. So it isn't that you're getting worse and worse. You're not getting more and more broken, more and more ill, less and less competent. You're not sucking more at life. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be humiliated. You don't have to feel shame over that. It's one fear. It's only one. So you don't have this enormous, overwhelming you, multi-directional, multi-variant, complex problem to solve, you have one. You have one problem to solve here, and that is you have to learn to not be afraid of how you feel and what you think. The one fear, that is it. That is it. And learning the idea that there is only one fear underneath this really can, can shed a tremendous amount of excess baggage. You can put down all of that baggage, get focused. And, like, firmly get yourself onto the path of recovery that we talk about all the time. You can do that now because you can let all of that other stuff go, all that extraneous stuff. Like, how do I – I have to start learning how to deal with making phone calls. Oh, my God. I have to start learning how to deal with being alone. My husband's going back to work. My wife's going back to work. What am I going to do? Especially, you know, in this – you know, I'm recording this. We're still in the middle of the COVID-19 thing worldwide, the coronavirus pandemic. Um you know, people are trying to get back to normal. We're trying to find ways to like get back and open the economy and get people back to like, you know, a daily routine, getting back to work, getting back to school while still managing this this biological issue we got going on here. And for people who have basically been able to retreat for the last three and a half months and now have to get back into life, this is yet another. Like, oh geez, I suck at this too. I suck at a pandemic. And so you're taking on the shame, the guilt negative self judgment based on the fact that you you're gluing the one fear to more and more situations so you just like i said you just got to put the butter down 1st thing we're going to do is understand what you're doing you're buttering every slice of the, the life of the loaf of life that if, the lo- loaf of bread that is life you know if life is a loaf of bread you're buttering every single slice with your anxiety disorder that's all that's happening here it's only one problem you only have one problem and that's butter put down the butter so that is the one fear the one fear that is underneath all of your long list of fears that you think is growing, that you think, geez, I, I, I started being afraid of one thing, now I'm afraid of so many. I'm just afraid of life in general. The one fear applies to health anxiety. It applies to you know, generalized anxiety, all of those things. The one fear is something that you should spend a little bit of time thinking about and really look in the mirror and say, oh, yeah, here's the bad thing about one fear, by the way. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the one bad thing about the one fear, concept then we're going to talk about what you do with one fear right so we're going to spend a few minutes on that before we wrap it up so the one the bad thing about the one fear it it frees you of all of the complexity of recovery that's a good thing here's the bad thing it puts you face to face with the thing that you fear like, we have stripped away all the, all the stuff that goes around it. We've stripped away all of the complexity that leads you in a zillion different directions to try and solve your symptoms and, and manage situations and manage your anxiety and, and knock it down with pills or meds or whatever it is you do. And that's great. It simplifies it. But when it simplifies it, you have nowhere to run. You are now face-to-face with the reality that there is one fear, and you must go at it now. And for a lot of people, while it's freeing and and makes them feel much lighter to know that this problem is much more simple and not nearly as complex and overwhelming, could also be a little terrifying. I want to acknowledge that and understand that. That's true. When you get to the point in the beginning of your recovery journey where you understand, uh-oh, uh-oh, this crackpot on the internet that I hear on this podcast, this guy I see on Facebook and Instagram, like... This crazy dude, like he keeps talking about this stuff. I hear it; it sounds so logical. And one day you wake up and you discover, like, oh crap, he's right, and I and I am face to face with this thing that I fear so much. And I can, I, there's only one direction for me to go, and that's right at it. That is, that is a hard realization to come to. I must acknowledge that it is difficult, but recovery is difficult. The difficult does not mean impossible; it means that it's hard. It's not doesn't mean that it's dangerous. It means that it's hard. So if you're, if you're cringing a little listening to this and saying, well, this makes so much more sense, but oh no, that means I have to do the things like, and you're feeling anxiety over that. I want you to always remember that I'm never talking about doing dangerous things, only hard things. I'm never talking about doing impossible things, only hard things. And you can do hard things. And I have to give, give full credit to Kimberly Quinlan, uh, who, you know, she, her Instagram feed, which is terrific. Um, If you don't follow Kimberly, you should. She's an OCD specialist, and she's really good. But her feed is loaded with today is a good day to do hard things. And I love when she posts that stuff because that's that's reality. So let's talk about for just a minute or two because we're going to hit almost the 30-minute mark. Just for a minute or two, now what do we do with one fear? Now we know. Excellent. Thanks, Drew. I appreciate it. Now I know I only have one fear. What the hell do I do with that? Well, you know, we talk all the time about making a plan, making a recovery plan, building your fear ladder, planning your exposures getting them into it all the time. I mean, I wrote 400 pages, half of which are all about that in the book that I just put out, but you can go back. You don't have to buy the book. You can go back and listen to all the podcasts. You're going to hear me talk about these things. Like now, you know, here is what I am afraid of. So now we have to build a plan that, that sends you directly into that fear in a, in a systematic incremental planned, consistent way. That's what you do with the one fear. You pick all the things that you know trigger the one fear. You, you put them into categories, short-term things, mid-range things, long-term things. Then you rank those, which one is from the easiest to the hardest to do, and then you just start tackling the list. Like I wrote extensively about that on my website, uh, downloads. You can download a PDF that I made that goes along with the book that can help you start to make this recovery plan, uh, build your goals list and your fear ladder. So, what you do with the one fear is now that you recognize it, you st- what you do next is you start to make a plan for attacking it and, and, and unlearning the one fear, unmasking it as real but baseless, which is the very first thing I said in a podcast, you know, five years ago and 111 episodes ago. You have to learn that the fear is real However, the basis for it is not. The fear is real. The danger is not. So now that you know the one fear, you can make a plan that helps you learn that through experience, always through experience. You can read, we can discuss, you can post in the Facebook group, we can do Instagram lives and all that stuff. But in the end, now that you know the one fear, your job is to start to make a plan on how you're going to deal in that uncomfortable, difficult way, but also rewarding way with your one fear. So that's, that's what you do with it. So that is the, the facts, the good, the bad, the ugly, the nuances of the one fear. You are not afraid of everything in the world. You only have one fear, how you feel and what you think. And when you solve that one fear, suddenly everything gets easier. So if you want to know how you can possibly manage moving from one city to another, 200 miles away, 1,000 miles away. You want to get better at doing a 1,000-mile house move? Get better at walking around the block that you live on today. That's what you do. You tackle the one fear at the smallest level. And every time you tackle it at a small level, the levels above that get a little bit easier to tackle. I promise. When you start to solve the one fear in one context – things get better in all the other contexts. They don't instantly get solved, but it becomes much easier. The hardest thing you will do are the smallest exposures. gonna repeat that. The hardest things you will do are the first smallest exposures. They really are. But when you can go and sit on your front steps for that five minutes when you're terrified and you just want to run back to your bedroom, Doing that will make it easier to go to the shopping mall in, in a month or two months. So whenever, however long it takes you to do that, sitting on your front step, being home alone for those first five minutes, eating that new food that you're certain is going to kill you the first time you eat, whatever that is that you've been avoiding for the last five years because somehow you thought it was going to kill you. The first time you eat that food, you are building a flight to Europe or, or, or a vacation or a career change or a move to another city or starting a family. So when you tackle the one fear in one context, the other contexts get easier. That's the really good news about the one fear. Okay, folks, I think I've pretty much said enough. I don't think I have to say much more about the one fear. As always, if you'd like the full show notes for this episode, you can go to theanxioustruth.com slash 111. That's theanxioustruth.com slash 111. Uh, that'll get you the full show notes for the for the episode. Um, if you're listening on iTunes or any place where you can rate and review the podcast, I'm going to ask you to please leave me a five-star rating and a review of some kind. If you're getting helped by the podcast, then it helps other people find it too. And this is why I do this. Like, it's supposed to be able to help people. So help me reach more people. If you think it's a good message, then help spread it around by by rating the podcast and writing a little review if you could. Check out my book, TheAnxiousTruth.com slash Recovery Guide. If you're already reading it, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody for supporting the project. Like, it's been amazing, and I appreciate you guys all so much. If you're reading it already and you're loving it, write a review on Amazon. Anyway, all right, that's enough promotion here. Do what you got to do. Go tackle the one fear. And until then, before you do it, take 20 or 30 seconds and listen to my friend Ben Drake sing Afterglow. Facebook.com slash Ben Drake Music Ben is awesome. He's killing it. And as always, I thank him for the uh, permission to use his music. All right, guys, see you in the next episode. Have a good one. Yeah, you're doing fine. Now in the city and you're living fast. No looking back or dwelling on the past. You know you'll never get another chance. So go and live your life. Pressure like an atom bomb You keep on Dancing like it's your last song Makes no difference If you're right or wrong Now you're